from the theme, Christ, Yeshua, the light of the world. Christ, Yeshua, the light of the world. St. John chapter 1, we're going to look at the first 12 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we bless you this morning and give you praise, our Yeshua. We magnify and edify you for your goodness, your mercy, love, and grace. And we ask you to come and sup with us and teach us, bring back to our mind those things that we've already studied. And help us, lead us, and guide us. Have thy way, Holy Spirit, and minister to each and every one of our hearts and souls. That you may be glorified by the lives that we live from these words. In Christ Yeshua's mighty name I pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. The word of God tells us and shares with us that Christ is indeed the light of the world. It tells us in verse 1, in the beginning was the word. The word is the logos. The logos is the thought the principles and the speech, the word of God are the principles of the divine reason and creative order of God in the universe. John tells us that God through Christ is the word of God, is the living word in our time and our day. The Holy Spirit's job is to influence, is to encourage, inspire, to teach, and to show us the things in the word that leads us to salvation. But John tells us that there is someone coming very soon whom we should take note of and realize that he is the light of the world. The same was the word, was the word, uh, was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Christ was not just the light, but he was the life and the life of men. The word tells us that before the beginning began was the word. When God spoke, what God spoke came out what he said the thing that he called into existence. So when he said, let there be light, light appeared. When he said, let there be a firmament in the sky, in the heavens, the firmament appeared. When he said, let there be water or ocean, the ocean appeared. 
When he said, let us make man in our image and likeness, man through the breathing power of God's word, the pneuma, the spirit, man becomes first a living soul and God takes that living soul and places it in physical clay that we call the earth or our physical bodies. So we understand that the words have power. So therefore, we need to be careful of the words we speak. Because when we speak, we give life to the things that we speak. The word bears it out in the first sixth chapter of John. Verse 63 says, these words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. The word is life. So when we speak words... We give them life. Sometimes you're going through things and you're having heart issues and you talk about those things on a continuous basis. You tell somebody, I have arthritis and it's really bad. You've been telling somebody that for 30 years and it has been with you for 30 years. You say, Lord, I'm healed of arthritis for it is the attack of the enemy on my physical body. And I command every spirit that is not in accordance with God's divine order and calling for my physical body to depart, get out in Christ's mighty name. And when we speak to devils and evil spirits, they have no choice but to leave. On Friday, I had a customer that came into the store and she had a small child with her and it was coughing terribly. And I said, Lord, whatever that is, please don't let me get it. Because children can pass those germs sometimes faster than adults can. So, so you better ask God to keep you covered and protected from all forms of sickness and all forms of disease. Just because COVID has died don't mean COVID left. It's died down, but it hasn't left. It's still raging. The Bible says the devil walks through to and fro in the earth, seeking whom he what? May devour. Don't give way to him. He said, resist him and he will what? Flee you. And we resist by the word of God and prayer and commanding the enemy to get out of our lives and get out of our circumstances and situations. The devil will attack everything you have because he don't want you he wants to stop the word of God from getting out through you. See, you are the vessel, the temple, or the tabernacle where the word of God resides. And because you are that, the word of God comes alive in you. And when you share that with somebody, guess what it does? It is a light that gives life to the individual you're talking to about Christ, our Lord and Savior. Verse number four says, in him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. The life was the light of men. Christ is life to the world and his life is a light unto all who believe and receive him as Lord and Savior. Amen. The light shined in darkness, the word says, and the darkness comprehended it not. Just because the light is there does not mean it shuts out the darkness. Darkness will continue to appear because Men's hearts are evil, vindictive, and wicked. And because of that, Christ had to come into the world to redeem us from that sinful state and to transform our lives so that we would be like him through receiving him and accepting him as Lord and Savior of our lives. 
The Bible says that John, the cousin of Jesus Christ, came into the world first bearing witness. So not only did God use John, God used a family member, somebody that knew Christ, that knew he was kin. He didn't know him all knowing, but he knew that he was his cousin because he was six months older than Christ. So John comes and he preaches, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make the path straight for he's coming and are you ready to receive him? John continued to preach this and continued to teach this and continued to baptize those that was receiving the word of God that he was delivering to the people until Christ came on the scene. Christ comes on the scene. He said, see, here is he whom I spoke to you about, whom I told you about, whom I witnessed that there was one greater than I whose shoe latches I am not worthy even to untie. Christ comes on the scene and they're at the river and John is baptizing and John looks at Christ and says, I, I would rather you baptize me. And Christ said, what? Let it be so for the present. Yes. And permitted John to baptize him. He comes out of the water and the Bible says a dove, the spirit in the form of a dove lands upon him and the Holy Spirit speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says, Hear ye him. Hear the word of God. Receive the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Apply the word of God to your heart and act upon it. Everybody, the devil even knows the word of God. But God says, listen, hear, receive, and apply it to our hearts. And live it out daily. I told you last week that Moses knew what God's way. The children of Israel knew God's acts. But in the beginning, it took a while. And when Christ comes on the scene, the very people that should receive him, who was the Hebrew Israelites, did not receive him. That's why the gospel goes to the Gentiles, or to Esau's generation, the Edomites. That's why they have the gospel. But the time will come when their time to receive Christ will be up. And he will again open the glories to the Israelites, the Hebrew Israelites, and they will come into power and reign and rule in the earth for 1,000 years and oppress their oppressors for 1,000 years. God says, through Christ, I am the light of the world. Receive the light. John tells us that we must be redeemed by what Christ did on Calvary. Why? This is why he comes. Because things are so bad that he has to save men from the sinful condition that Adam created through his disobedience in the Garden of Eden with Eve. And because of that, Christ has come to redeem us from that state of sin and to give us retribution or to reestablish our relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit who what comes in our heart and purges us and keeps us pure and clean daily when we go before God and say, Father, I have sinned and be sincere in repentance and asking him for forgiveness. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit cleanses us up every single time because first of all, he knows none of us are perfect. 
and we all fall short of the glory of God each and every day. And because of that, we got to go to God. We're no big eyes and little U's. We're all equal in the eyes of God, and we must accept the fact that we need him. He don't need us. A lot of people think that, that what would God do without me? No, no, no. You need Christ. I need Christ. We all need Christ in our lives in order to go from day to day and do the things that bring glory and praise unto his holy name. See, the Bible says the light shined in darkness continually and darkness refused to accept the light. But John comes to say, listen, y'all better wake up. We need to say that to our world today. Y'all better work. Well, this is not good English, but y'all better wake up. Y'all better get it together. Because the time is going to come when Christ is going to crack the sky with the angels, with all of the archangels. And when he comes, he's coming for a bride without a spot or wrinkle, a church, an ecclesia, the called out, the chosen of Christ. He says, I'm coming back to receive you as my own. But will you be in a position to receive him and to go with him because what? You have accepted him as Lord and Savior and allowed him to become the Savior in your heart and in your life. The Bible tells us we must accept Christ. We must call upon his name. We must believe that he is who he said he is. He was not just the light. John says, I'm not the light, but I am the witness to the light. I came to tell you about the light. And the, the thing is, are you listening? Sometimes we talk, 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 and we hear, but do we shut up and listen? Sometimes if you just be quiet, the Holy Spirit will talk to you. You'll be saying, you'll have thoughts come up in your mind, and then you begin to question the thoughts, and the Holy Spirit will begin to answer the things that you're thinking. And you'll say, I never thought about it like that. Well, that wasn't you thinking anyway. It's the Holy Spirit within you doing the thinking. We don't have sense enough to think like we should. We have to rely upon the Holy Spirit. What is his job? To lead us, to guide us, to give us direction and instruction, and to show us the way of the salvation. But most people want to go to God on their own accord with their own idea of who they think God is. But God never told us to think about who he was. He told us that I am that I am. I'm God. I don't need you to think about who I am. I know myself. Why would I need you to think about who I am? You just accept and receive the fact that you don't have the power to create or make anything. God does it all. He gives you the wisdom and the power and even the knowledge to go forth and do the things that you do in life. So it's nothing you've done that you deserve so much glory or so much praise. See, the Bible says it's not of works, but of what? Faith. What is faith? Assurance that God is who he says he is. Assurance that he will do just what I believe and ask him to do for me. The assurance of knowing that whatever I pray and hope believing, I shall receive. Because it is the will of God to give us what? The kingdom. He said, I'll give you the entire kingdom. He said, the kingdom is yours. Where is the kingdom? People still looking for it, trying to find the kingdom. It's within you. The kingdom is, he said, the word of God is nigh thee, even in your what? Mouth. That's why he says, be careful what you speak, because what you speak 
may cause problems for you sometimes because sometimes you get that negative thought and thinking and you just cannot get around it. Every time you say a word or think a thing is negative. You're ready to chop somebody up. Or you're ready to do something to somebody. Or you're angry with somebody because they've done something to you. God says, don't live your life mad. He said, be angry, but what? Sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your rage. Forget those things from yesterday or a few minutes ago. Don't let those things harbor in your heart and allow your heart to become crushed and broken because somebody mistreated you. No, give that to God and let him handle them. So you keep your eyes on the prize. Stay focused on Christ. That's what John was trying to teach in this chapter. That Christ is the light and that you must be focused on him. You must seek Christ as Lord of your life and you must depend and rely upon him. Even though the Pharisees and the Sadducees and uh, the erudite and scholarly of their day didn't want to accept that. John said, I'm not who you think you, that I am. I'm not Christ. Well, then they say, well, who are you? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's what John told him. They wanted him to be more than what he was. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to accept my cousin's position. I'm not God. See, Christ is who? He's God. The Holy Spirit is who? He's God. The Father is who? He's God. They're all one person. People try to make them a trinity. They're one person. They operate differently, but they're the same person. It's, it's not three people. It's one person. <laughs> God does what? He incarnates in this chapter. He comes in the flesh, in human form, so he can identify with you and I. He's still God, even though he's the son of man, he's still God. He left, went back to heaven, he came back in the form of the Holy Spirit, he's still God. He's still with us. He's still the same father that we pray to every day. Some of us use Jesus, some of us use Yeshua, some of us use Anonai, he's got so many different names. Sometimes when people say, if you ain't saying one name, you ain't talking to the right person. You're a liar and the truth is not in you. The Lord has over a hundred names. Go read your Hebrew and study your Greek. And get the paleo. Instead of using the Assyrian, because the Assyrian was created. The paleo is the original. But he has over 100 names, and just because somebody ain't praying what you think they ought to pray or saying what you think they ought to say, that means that you are still learning. And when you get there, you have reason to question the authority of the one that's using the language the way they use it, or worshiping the way they're worshiping, or exalting him the way they exalt him, or uplifting him the way they uplift him. Because as you grow spiritually, God infuses you with more wisdom, understanding, and, and knowledge of who he is. See, we pray that every day. Lord, increase my wisdom. Lord, increase your revelation knowledge, your hidden revelation knowledge from the heavens. Increase it within me so I know you better. That's what this is all about. See, you got to know that you know that you know. See, there's two words in the Greek. There's the word oida and there's the word gnosko. Gnosko means some, some, somebody told you something. And you learn from the experience. Oida means... That you have that intimate relationship with him. And, and, and that it, you are now one because you are intimate with him. 
and you stay there and worship and praise and adore and exalt and pray and worship and study the word constantly, which increases the power and the wisdom and the authority and the anointing in your life. That's what the word of God can do. Just because you don't don't mean you have to tell people that you know. But when people see you and they hear you, they'll know that you know. <laughs> see, God says, I want you to have a very powerful, strong relationship with me. Continue to grow. You, you, you're not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every single day. Some, the Bible says you have sins of commission and sins of omission. That means you omitted something. That means you willfully did something that you need to ask for forgiveness for. These, that's daily. People want to watch all this. You're holier than thou. I can't talk to you. I'm too holy. I can't pray for you. I'm too holy. You got to pray for yourself. That's not what God sent us as ministers to do. He said, feed, shepherd, and take care of my flock. Do the things that, that's what John came to do. John came preaching and teaching and sharing the word of God to the people of that day. God sent him before Christ came to prepare their hearts to receive Christ. And that's what we do. All we do is stand up here and give you the word of God and allow the word of God to minister to your heart. And eventually the word of God will what? Break you. I can't save your soul. I can give you what the word says. But the Holy Spirit has to minister to your heart. When Vernell came up here last Sunday, the Holy Spirit ministered to his heart. And he said, Vernell... It's time. And Vernell got up and came up here and said, look, let me rededicate myself and get things in order. It's time. That's how God worked on every. He didn't do anything God ain't done to the rest of us. We all had that same experience where the Holy Spirit, they keep nugging at your heart, nugging at your heart, nugging at your heart till you eventually yield. You yield and say, whoa, this is a bit much for me. I've got to stop what I'm doing and, and, and give my life to Christ. Yes. You know, somebody told me one time, they said, what if you die and, and you find out there is no God? I said, well, that's fine. But I don't want to take that chance and find out that there is a God. I think I'll just keep serving the one that I believe is my God and take the risk of whether or not he exists or not. Somebody created all of this. This didn't come out of no explosion in somebody's scientific uh, uh, plant. See, this is not evolution. God created the heavens and the earth, which was without form and void. And he spoke everything into existence through the logos, the word that we've already talked about earlier. Let's wrap this up. Christ is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. But man has to open his heart and be receptive to God. When he opens his heart and are receptive to God, the Holy Spirit comes in. What did he say in John 3 and 20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. He says, I'm waiting to come in. When are you going to open up and let me in? When are you going to realize that you need me more than I need you? When when are you going to realize that we can do more together than you can do alone? See, all things are possible, what? With God. And without him, isn't anything possible? 
You have to have him somewhere in your life. He said, if you just believe. That's all he's asking us to do. Just believe the word of God. Just believe that Christ is the Savior. Believe that God sent him into the earth to be our redeemer. Believe that he is the son of God. Believe that he died on the cross. He, he was buried. He shed his blood. He resurrected for our sins. Believe Israel. Believe Hebrews that Christ died for you and I. That Christ came only to the house of Israel. That's the word. And because Israel rejected him, he went to Edom, to the Edomites. The gospel went all over the place because Israel rejected Christ. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. He's not who I thought he was. They wanted somebody to come as a big old king and go set up in a, uh, set up in a kingdom somewhere on the earth and just rule and, and reign over everybody. And Christ came as what? A humble lamb. And they, and they couldn't handle that. That's not who we, we're looking for. But God says, we must all come before the judgment seat of Christ. Acknowledge that we have a need of him as Lord and Savior and receive him as Lord of our life. And when we do that, guess what? He blesses us and helps us to overcome. Verse number 12 says, as many as receive Christ. He gives the power to become the sons of God. If you receive it, if you say, I believe the word of God and receive it, he says, if you will believe, I will give you the power to become the sons of God. That you will know without any doubt in your mind, having hope, assurance, conviction and faith that God is who he says he is in the son Christ, our Lord and Savior. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Christ is the word. And he was made into a human being. He came into this earth and he lived among us and showed us the way through 12 apostles, disciples who became apostles. And he said, go therefore and what? Teach all nations, baptizing them and continuing to teach, preach, the word that they may receive it and come to know Christ as Lord and Savior in their lives. And if you will do that, God says what? Blessed are the feet of them that preach the gospel of salvation. He said, I'm going to bless you because you what? Preach the word. Just, just preach the word. You ain't got to worry about whether people get saved or not. You just teach the word. And I guarantee you there's not a person in here that haven't run across somebody somewhere that you have to say, you need to call on the Lord. Or you need to ask God into your heart. Or you need to ask God to help you with that. Why? Because the word is in us. And the more word we get, guess what? The more powerful we become in the things of God. The more he continues to bless us, the more he continues to use us for his glory. So therefore, we must believe that Christ is who he says he is. And know without a shadow of a doubt in our mind that he is our Lord and our Savior. That he is the life of men. And not only is he the life of men, but he is the light. See, I am the light of the world. That's what the word says. I'm the light of the world. Everybody has to come to the light. That's the word. I'm the light and anyone outside of me is in what? Darkness. So come to Christ, the light of the world. Give your life to him by simply believing his word and applying his word to your life. And when you receive him as Lord and Savior, 
let the Holy Spirit do the work inside of us. Sometimes you come to Christ and you make a mistake and you say, well, I sinned. I can't go to God. Now I got to go back and do what I was doing because he ain't going to receive me now because I made a mistake. The Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will get back up every single time. You don't lay there. You made a mistake. Lord, I made the worst awful sin I can think of. You don't lay there. Say, Father, I made a mistake. Father, the devil tempted me, and I succumbed to his temptation. Thank you. The Bible says there's a way of escape. Sometimes we don't get to that point. We fall and come short. But he says, get up, don't lay there. Only thing, only thing that'll wallow in the mud, and don't ever forget this, you can take a pig, you can clean it up, you can put a pretty bow on it, you can put it in the house, and you can keep it caged and locked up in the house, but as soon as you open that door and he find a mud puddle, he's going to show you your pig. Because he's going to wallow in the mud because that's what he does. Don't be a pig. Don't wallow in the mud and lay there. Get up, clean yourself up, and keep pushing and serving and trusting God. Because the word of God tells us, you make a mistake, ask for forgiveness. None of us are perfect. People walking around here holier than thou. No, we all make mistakes. I'm not perfect. But now if you willfully, deliberately, continuously keep doing the same thing, then yeah, God will hold you accountable. Because you, you, you willfully doing what you're doing. You know, if you do things, some people do things they love to do and they were created to do. You know what I'm talking about? And they keep doing it. No, if, you, if you're burning in the, in the, with passion in the flesh, get mad. You don't have to keep, Lord, I did it again. I'm so sorry. No, just get married and get it over with. Don't put yourself through that misery. Don't be feeling shame for something that you were created for. Get married. Say, Lord, I, gotta, I, need, a, I need a wife. I need a husband. Because I can't contain my flesh. It's as simple as that. That's the word. God says, get married. It's better to marry than to burn. He wasn't talking about going to hell. He was talking about having a husband or a wife because you enjoy intimate intimacy. That's what he was saying. Y'all love intimacy? Get married. It's as simple as that. If you can't contain, get married. We all make mistakes, but if you can't contain, get married. If you know that's what you enjoy doing, get married. God ain't going to send you to hell for doing what he created you to do. I don't think so. Adam and Eve were the only two, but they were husband and wife. There couldn't be nobody else to be husband and wife. They were already husband and wife. They were created husband and wife. But God says, put him first. In all things, trust him, give your life to him in every area of your life. And that's that is something that we all fight about. We all have concerns and issues where we have to fight to get the result that we need. We have to keep saying, Lord, give me the strength. Lord, help me to overcome. And we have to continue to say before Christ. No, God ain't going to send you to hell. You've already been Confess Christ as Lord and Savior. You've already received him as Lord and Savior. You've already trusted him as Lord and Savior. All you got to do is say, Father, I made a mistake. Forgive me. Guess what he does? He takes it, washes it away, and throw it in the sea of forgetfulness. And then he puts a sign up there and says, that says, no fishing. Because he don't want you to keep bringing those things up again. Sometimes people do you wrong and you forgive them. And 30 years later, you bring it up. No, he said, let it go. It's done. It's over with. Leave it alone. Let it go. Finally, he says, he gives life to everyone who believes on him and call upon his name. Yes. 
What is it that's stopping you from giving your life completely to Christ if you haven't done that? What's standing in your way that's hindering you? Who is it that you've got your eye on or that you're wondering how they're going to feel because you haven't given your whole heart, your total life to Christ? Who is it? They don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. They don't have nothing they can do for you whenever you die. Every one of us have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ for ourselves. Yes. Nobody's, whatever they've done, they got to give an account about it. Whatever I do, I have to give an account about it. Whatever you do, you have to give an account about it. Nobody is going to God in judgment for you. You got to go for yourself. Everybody that leaves this earth, I don't see nobody in the coffin with them. Every now and then you'll see a mother that the mother and the infant died and they're in the coffin together. But other than that, nobody's in the coffin. They go by themselves. The reason is because you came into this world alone and you're going to leave this world alone. And that means you've got to give God your heart. Give Christ your heart. He is the light of the world. Our faith, our trust, our assurance must continually be in him at all times. Let Christ, Yeshua, Christ, our Lord, who is the light of the world, continue to develop you, to grow you, and to give you deliverance from all of the evil of this world, knowing that he is the light, he is the life, my faith and my trust and assurance is in him. And I know he will never, ever, ever, ever let me down. May God bless you today. May heaven smile upon you. Let us stand for a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we come this afternoon to give you praise, to give you glory, to thank you, to magnify you, to edify you, to glorify you. We come to exalt you for you're worthy of the praise and all of the glory. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the ending, the first and the last. You are the light and you are our life. And we glorify and magnify you, our Savior, because you died on the cross and gave your life that we may come to thee and receive you as Lord of our hearts. We bless you today. We pray now for that one that may not have received you as the Savior of their heart. We pray for that one that may not know you in the free part of their sin that may be under the sound of my voice. And I pray that you will minister to their heart and that they will cry, I yield, I yield. What must I do to be saved? And that is to receive you by acknowledging that they are a sinner and asking for forgiveness of their sins and asking you, Lord Christ, our Savior, to come into their heart. We thank you for this message today. Now let it go forth and accomplish that purpose for which thou hast sent it. We bless you and we praise you. We ask these blessings in Christ's mighty name. And all of God's people say, Amen. God bless you today. Amen. Amen.